3: Welcome back to the fighter versus the rider. I'm Damon Martin. He's Matt Brown. Uh, you know him probably far better than you know me. He's a legend of the sport. And of course, Matt, today we are going to be talking about all things UFC 274. But let me first ask, how are you? How are things in your corner of the world living five minutes away from me?
4: <laughs> Very good, man. Very good. Just enjoying the beautiful weather, man. Finally. Finally, right? Yeah, Ohio.
3: Like i actually went out yeah. i actually went out driving yesterday just because i wanted to enjoy the weather i was like that's how sad you know you live in ohio is you just want to <laughs> drive and actually enjoy like the nice weather
4: yeah you need to get a motorcycle bro
3: oh dude don't get me started i i i've i've contemplated stealing a harley many many times uh and going okay. and when you say motorcycle come on it's gotta be a harley i mean come on i'm not gonna go you know
4: yeah. or but i like fast bikes too i got my harley and I love it, but damn man, I get sick of not going fast.
3: Yeah, I guess you one of those crotch rockets would be flying around the streets.
4: And I used to have one. I've, well, I've had a few of them.
3: Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, I, weirdly, people. weirdly, those things scare me far more than a Harley does. Like driving around one of those things, are so little, and like it just feels like that's just a disaster waiting to happen.
4: But what everybody forgets is, you can also control it a lot better. So you can stop faster. You can accelerate faster. So there's kind of a pros and cons to both you're also yeah. more likely to go 150 miles an hour on it. <laughs> you know? so, I, there's definitely like pros and cons but it's not it's not all bad just because you're on a small bike you know it doesn't make as much noise but i think that's the biggest uh problem with it but you can brake way faster you could steer away from things way faster you know what i'm saying you can accelerate like if someone's coming behind you too fast like there's there's definitely some pros to it.
3: Yeah, I feel like the world would be a weirder place seeing Matt Brown roll around on a, on a crotch rocket. Like I've seen you on the Harley. Like I'm like Matt Brown's wow. a Harley man. Like I'm just trying to picture you on like one of the like little Honda like crotch rocket. It's just a, it's a weird it's, sight to right. me. I don't know why, but it's just like a weird like a weird thought. Like I'm seeing you on your Harley. I'm like trying to picture you on a crotch rocket. It just seems weird.
4: That's funny. I used to have a Honda crotch rocket, CBR six hundred. <laughs> That was my first one. And then my last one, I had a Hayabusa. It was a drag bike though. So had nitrous and stuff. I mean, that thing was stupid fast.
3: Jeez, man. That's crazy. That's crazy.
4: Yeah, I actually had to get rid of it because, because it was like too fast. I was like, this thing is legitimately dangerous.
3: Dude, I see people whipping around on the highway and those things? It scares the crap out of me because like, I'm always, I'm a big motorcycle guy. I'm always very conscious of motorcycle riders on the highway. But I see some dudes whipping around those things, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm just, like, inviting disaster. Oh,
4: it just yeah, scares the crap out of me. Stupid. Yeah, some people are stupid with it, man. You got to – that's the thing with the crotch truck is, you know, you, you have to be uh, disciplined with it.
3: Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, you have to with any bike, to be honest, you know, even Harley, whatever you're riding. You got to be disciplined, man. That's the, that's the key.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of discipline, speaking of uh, of going too fast, uh, we got a lot of fights to talk about and we're going to probably focus in on you know the main three fights from UFC 274, the one that every every the fights that everyone are buzzing about right now. But of course, the main event, Charles Oliveira, another finish, another uh incredible performance, chokes out Justin Gaethje in the first round. Crazy back and forth fight before that, but chokes out Justin Gaethje in the first round. Third straight finish as a champion chokes out or finishes Michael Chandler with a knockout chokes out Dustin Poirier chokes out Justin Gaethje. But before we get to the victory, um, we got to talk about the controversy, which is Charles Oliver missing weight by half a pound stripped of the title. Now he's technically the number one contender rather than the champion. I put a, a post up on Saturday night, both on Twitter and Instagram, Matt, and I said, he doesn't have the title. But Charles Oliveira is the champion. Uh, yeah, you, you, you know that. Like you, okay. The re- big reason why I like having you on shows like this, Matt, is because you've been there. Now, you've not been a guy who's ever you know dealt with too, you know terrible. You you've had a missed weight, just to put it out there. You have had that happen to you before in your career, but it's okay. not something you. It's not something you've really done regularly. It's not something you're like a serial abuser of missing weight. Yeah. But, but I don't know. You tell me because I'm not sitting there. I'm not like, I wasn't watching the scale. I wasn't like intently like, you know, diagnosing what went wrong or examining like how the, the whole thing happened. But like to me, and I understand it is your responsibility as an athlete to make weight. We all know that we've all said it a million times, but to me, that situation, a half a pound, which come on, I've seen a million commissions Roll that, you know, roll that scale and quickly just say, oh, 155. You know what I mean? I don't know. You you tell me you've been there, you know what it's like. Am I wrong in thinking to, like, come on, like they should have just I, I'm not saying you should get away with anything. I'm not if he's five pounds over, even two pounds over, it's a different story. It was a half a pound.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. I never even thought about it. Like because yeah, those balance scales, I mean, you, you gotta be, you know. I don't think they use it. Normally they don't, they're not that particular about it. You know, they, they kind of, the thing moves a little bit. They're like, good, you know, you're on off that thing quick as you can. <clears throat> um, and by the way, I missed weight one time in my life. And there's actually kind of a funny story behind that. Tell it real quick. This is when I was by Robbie Lawler. Um, and I didn't have time to cut the weight. That was back when, um, They were at 4.30 was the weigh-ins, and I just had to get on the bus. And I called Bert, and I said, man, I need like 20 more minutes. I got a half a pound to go, bro. I just need like a few more minutes. He's like, no, you got to get on the bus right now. He's like, you'll have an hour after the weigh-ins. I said, okay, no problem. So I go in, get weighed in, a half pound over. Well, I'm sitting in the back, and this guy comes up and posing as one of the doctors there, right? And he said, uh, he said, yeah, I've seen you out there. He said, uh, uh, he said, I've seen you cutting weight or something. I forget. And said, you can't cut no more weight. You need to rehydrate. And I was like, well, okay. I guess if I have to, you know, if you're the doctor telling me, right. He's like, I'm not gonna let you cut no more weight. So I started drinking water. Dana comes over like five minutes later and he goes, hey, did somebody just tell you not to cut weight? I said, yeah, some doctor. He goes, that dude's not a doctor. (laughs) He's like- (laughs) he's like we don't know who that guy is and i guess he told somebody else that missed weight also so anyway so we get into the uh we meet with dana in the back and i said uh, i said you know i can still go cut the weight but you know i just put on extra like two or three pounds with this water and he said don't worry about it we're not taking it 20 percent. robbie was there he was cool with it and uh and that was that that's wild did they so, ever figure out who that dude was i have no idea that was you know the last i heard of it but um, I guess he told, you know, me and at least one other person, a girl, I forget who it was. I'd have to see who, who was on the card, but that's wow. pretty crazy. right That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> that wild. That is thing. so
3: wild. That is so <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like that. And cause I, that's what I said. It's like the only time you have ever had that happen. That's insane.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said, I would have made the weight. I just simply ran out of time. I would have went out and cut another half a pound or uh, it might've been a pound. I don't remember, but I would have, you know, I'm a prof- professional, bro. I'm going to make the weight, guaranteed. I've never missed weight any other time in my life. So, um, yeah, there's no question about it. I would have made the weight. But with uh, Charles Oliveira, um, you probably know better than me. What's the story with the official scale versus the fighter scale thing? So
3: the the story is is that apparently, you know, so for people that don't know, and and Matt, you know this, but I'll just tell the story. When you're in the fighter hotel or the fighter workout area, there is an official scale in that room and there's a giant sign. I think Bert Watson was the one who made it originally that said these scales are calibrated, blah, blah, blah. Don't F with it. You know, it literally says that there's a sign that says that. And I mentioned that on, on Friday or Saturday and they're like, Oh yeah, that's right. That's true. That actually is like, there's a big sign over the, over the, over the thing that says, do not mess with this it has been calibrated to match the commission scale. So apparently the the rumor is that what Dana said, what Dana White said at the press is that there were people messing with it because they were trying to figure out the people who weigh in with kilograms versus pounds, like whoever's coming in from Brazil or other countries where they're used to kilograms and not pounds. someone messed with it, and that was what it was and I talked to several people, and I know my colleague Jeremy Cruz spoke to several people who said that the weigh in scale at the hotel or wherever you go back the backstage scale was different than the one out on stage by a pound or two and I heard this and this was not just Brazilians I heard it from several other fighters on the card who said that they weighed one thing in the back and then they weighed different out front which is not supposed to be the case so that's also a problem and and again I'm not I don't want to put all the you know all the blame on the on the commission in Arizona but Matt, you and I know Arizona is not an area that has a ton of big fights, you know what I mean? Like, are they used to doing this? Because I'm not saying that Andy Foster, who's incredible in California or Nevada or, you know, other commissions where they have fights all the time, I'm not saying they would let it slide. So I'm not making that, you know, I'm not making that accusation. They would just let this slide. But I wonder if, like, being a stickler about, like, that little scale balancing, you know, because, come on, how many weigh-ins have you seen where a guy steps on the scale and they look at it for two seconds like he's 150 You know what I mean? Like, they're not sitting there like, hold on, hold on. He might be 0.3 over, you know? So it's like 0.5, really? And I don't know. Yeah, so it just seems really, I won't say suspect, but it just seems like a little overboard.
4: Yeah, it's a little suspect because... It's pretty common that we're, at least me, I'll come in, you know, 171.1, 171.2. And I'm like, dude, it's a balance scale. We're going to be fine. It's, I think that's very common, at least for me. And, um, you know, because I always calibrate my personal scale, which is digital, to the uh, um, fighter scale at the hotel, right? You, you get on and off, you know, switch from one to the other, have your friends switch to one to the other your corner guys and you do it multiple times throughout the week. You're checking it against it all the time. So, you know, you know that your scale is exactly where you want it to be. And you know exactly, you know, how far off it is. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been 171.1 and made it on a balanced scale. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, you know, so now, you know, that's 0.4 pounds, you know, difference. So it's, I don't know. That's, that's a strange thing, man. That's a very strange thing. and I, I don't, it's hard to comment on it. Right. Cause I, I don't know what the, what the deal is there, but it sucks that Charles Oliveira was stripped for all that. Right. he was stripped of his title. I assume he loses some money off of that. I assume his contract is, you know, something is probably going to change with that uh, financially for him.
3: Yeah, and the worst part is, I think the worst part to me is is that watching him go out there and then go out and submit Justin Gaethje, and Justin Gaethje put on the Justin Gaethje performance, knocked him down twice, was throwing yeah. the leg kicks, looking good. Oliveira yeah. comes back, blasts him with a shot, straight punch down the middle, knocks him down, jumps on top of him, chokes him out. The fight lasted three minutes and I think 22 seconds. It was an incredible three minutes and 22 seconds, a classic Gaethje performance, but I mean, is anyway here's the problem? And, and I understand that. Listen, there are rules, and rules are here for a reason. I get all that. But the UFC is a promotion; they own their belts. It's not like the Arizona Commission is going to, you know, uh, you know, stop promoting UFC events because they suddenly do something against their rules. Is anyway, at this at this point? I guess the problem is we all know Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight in the world. There's no question about that. No one no one today is questioning that saying, well, he missed by half a pound. He can't be the best lightweight in the world. That's garbage. Goodbye, we all know gosh. better. He is the best lightweight fighter on planet Earth. Without a doubt, there's no question, but yet somehow he's not going to have a title. He's now considered a quote-unquote number one contender, and we don't know for sure. I know Dana said after the fight they're going to give him his pay-per-view points for this fight. But will he get all those kind of considerations for the next one? Because that's a lot yeah. of money he's leaving on the table. He is the best guy in the world. It's garbage to me that he's just, he's the best guy in the world, but we can't call him champion. That's thats ridiculous.
4: Yeah, he doesn't get another belt to hang on his wall. You know, Yeah, that's, I agree, man. Um, God, I mean, to do that against Gagey, yeah, you're definitely the best lightweight in the freaking world. To do it against Chandler in his last fight, i mean jesus christ this guy is uh savage man i want to see him fight khabib i wish it could happen i know it's probably not i know it's hypothetical but damn now that is a fight we want to see because charles Oliver goes to the ground welcomes to the right i mean how many times did gage you knock him down and and Oliver is on his back saying come on down you know like he's not <laughs> he, he's he'll pull guard you know like he's that guy um he won't shy away from the grappling and Um, Boy, to watch him and Khabib grapple, I think, would just be a sight to see, man. I'd love to see it.
3: Yeah. Well, we might see the other one, which is Islam Makachev may get the next title shot. And I listen, I I talked to, to Michael Chandler before the fight. We were talking because for the longest time he wanted to fight Khabib because, of course, Michael Chandler has an incredible wrestling background, and he's always been like, I wanted to see how... Khabib would do against a guy like me who has that, you know, all American wrestling, which again, it would be an intriguing matchup. It never happened. And I said, you know, what about Islam? And he's like, I I have to admit, I wouldn't get as excited to fight Islam because he's not Khabib. He doesn't have that mystique, that aura about him the way Khabib did. Um, I like, I like Islam. I think Islam's an incredible fighter. The difference with Islam, and I know people get mad at me saying this, and I'm just going to be honest, is that Islam doesn't have the track record. When you look at his record, He hasn't gone through a list of killers yet. I mean, his biggest win you could argue is over Armin Sarukian. And that was in Armin's first fight. And I'm only saying that because Armin has now gone on to become like a real force. But at the time, Armin was debuting on short notice in St. Petersburg, Russia. Like, come on, no one was picking that guy to do anything. The fact that it ended up being a fight of the night is a credit to a kid that we just didn't know at the time. But then, you know, I mean, beating Dan Hooker, I like Dan Hooker, but Dan Hooker's lost like eight fights in a row now. Like, I'm just saying, like, I want to see... That's why I wanted to see the Dariush fight. I wanted to see Dariush against Malkachev. Then you know. And I'm a believer. I'm an Islam believer. I 100% believe he could be the guy. He could be the guy to beat Oliveri. He could be the guy to beat everybody. But I just want to see him get there naturally through progression, which is beating another top-ranked guy. Either way, though... That's that's the closest he's going to get to Khabib at this point is 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 Makachev and as yeah. much as I like Makachev I I don't know I got, I just I picked I picked him to lose to Poirier I picked him to lose to Chandler and I picked him to lose to Gaethje I can't keep picking against Charles Oliveira because my God this guy just keeps so, proving me wrong.
4: Well, I think we a lot of people had the same thing. Uh, I think I think it was Chandler that was talking about saying he's a quitter. Like he showing that he'll quit. And he has proved everybody wrong in that aspect, right? Over the past few fights, he has proven he is not a quitter. Whatever happened early in his career happened, and he's over that. Whether it was mental, physical, emotional, whatever it was, he's over that shit. He's a new Charles Oliveira, and this guy is the champion. And he's got the target on his back now, and this is the guy who. Just puts on amazing fights too, right? I mean, just watching him fight is just exciting to watch, and he's just proven everybody wrong, man. It, what a, I mean, he's just an exciting guy, and um, I love his style personally.
3: I, I mean, I put this on Twitter over the weekend: eleven fight win streak, ten finishes. One guy, Tony Ferguson got him to a decision. And that's only because Tony was willing to sacrifice his body in like two different submissions where it looked like Oliveira was going to take a limb home with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did he survive 10 finishes in 11 fights? And he's good. I mean, he's fighting good guys. Like he went out there and just, he walked through Jim Miller. Jim Miller is a, a legend. He walked through that fight. He finishes Poirier finishes Gaethje finishes Chandler. I mean, good Lord. I mean, the, the resume this guy's putting together. Listen, I know we all, we're all guilty. At least I'm guilty in the media. We all love talking about, oh, suddenly he's the GOAT. He's the greatest. Listen, if Charles Oliveira can go out there and beat, I'll say Makachev or Dariush, they're the two top guys in the division. If he goes out there and beats one or both of those guys, listen. You will not find a bigger Khabib Nurmagomedov fan on planet Earth. I am that guy. I am, I've am. i been banging the Khabib drum for years. I love the dude. Uh, personally and professionally, incredible guy. He is the greatest right now. But are you going to tell me that if Charles goes out there and beats Makachev and beats Darius, he's at least not in that conversation. I know he's not undefeated. He'll never be undefeated. We all know that. But the run he's on right now, the competition he's just... I mean, he's be He's not beating them. He's finishing them. You're going to tell me he doesn't at least enter that conversation.
4: So you have Khabib is the greatest
3: lightweight, greatest,
4: lightweight. Okay. Okay. You're yeah. just lightweight. Fair no, enough. no.
3: great, great. Not greatest of all time ever. I'm saying in the lightweight division, okay, Khabib is number one.
4: Think so. No, no. Yeah. I didn't think so. Okay. So yeah, I'm right there with you on that, man. He's, he, he might've already surpassed them. He's at least in the conversation right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you know, there's a debate there at this point, but I don't know if Islam is the guy to get him into that conversation. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like you said, he doesn't have the track record yet. Yeah, He's done all the right things so far to get to where he's at, but we got to see where, where he goes from here.
3: Yeah. I still, I I, I still, and I know, it sucks with timing and everything because Oliveira, you know, fought now in May and, you know, he may be out till like towards the end, latter part of the year because champions typically only fight, you know, once or twice a year. And everyone's saying October and Abu Dhabi with, with Makachev, which me personally, I don't think he should do it. I mean, I don't, he just fought Gaethje in his, essentially his hometown. Why would he travel to Abu Dhabi to fight and give Makachev that advantage of being in his, like an area where he's an extremely popular fighter I mean, I'm not saying they have to go to Brazil, but, like, do it in Vegas, do it in California, do it somewhere else. Um, but I, I really want to see Makachev and Darius, and to me, because that way, it would because Darius is on a seven-fight win streak, he's got four finishes, you know, he has the dominant win over Tony Ferguson, which, to me, is a better win than anything that Islam has on his record currently, and that's not a knock on Islam, I'm just speaking facts, um yeah, I'm
4: right there with you on that.
3: I think Darius and Makachev, hopefully they can fight, you know, if they can fight August, September, and then the winner gets Charles. You know, like that again, I, I don't have a problem if they book Islam and and Oliver. I get the attraction to that, but me personally, I just want I want Islam to get one more good win. Darius should be that one good win and then move into the title fight. And I know it's unfortunate that Darius got injured and he couldn't fight in February, whenever it was March, whatever it was. I get all that. I understand. that's not Islam's fault, but I'd still like my lasting impression going into an Oliveira fight, not to be Islam versus Bobby green. I mean, that's just, I just don't like that would be the last impression that Islam made to get Charles. And I just, I feel like you got to do more than that. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like you got to do more than that.
4: I feel you on that with Bobby green on short notice too. Yeah.
3: Bobby green on, a, on literally a week's notice.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Very short notice. Uh, yeah. I, I'm right there with you. I agree on everything. Um, there's some great matchups coming, man. That's it's exciting division. That's for sure. But you know, I got Charles now, what maybe he's got to be top three pound for pound now. Right. Oh yeah. With, with, I mean, when, when you got him right? I mean, he's got to be who's number one, probably still John Jones, maybe.
3: Uh well I'm ta- I I put I take John Jones out right now because he hasn't fought in two years so I put and that's just based on that so I put Usman number one, uh Adesanya two and probably Oliveira three would be my top three right now probably in that okay. right in that range you know
4: yeah and I got Adesanya and Usman kind of back and forth for number one so. It's- yeah. yeah, I think it. Yeah.
3: I think it comes down. It, you know, it's 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 dominance and it's and it's wins, but it's also level of competition. And I think welterweight and lightweight, in my opinion, and people can disagree with me. I think welterweight and lightweight have the two toughest divisions. You know what I mean? I I and yeah. I, I love featherweight. I think bantamweight's incredible right now. But I think in terms of longevity, what we've seen throughout the history of the sport, welterweight's always been deep and. Really I mean that's how George St. Pierre got to be who he is, is because he had to go through killers. Um yep. and lightweight has always been that way. So I, I what Usman has done, I can't take that away from him. When you look at the guys he's beaten, the streak he's on, never been beaten in the UFC. Uh he's there. Autosanya, yes, he has the one loss to Yan, but that was upperweight weight class, but he's been dominant, completely dominant middleweight, and and he's undefeated at middleweight in the UFC. And Charles is right there, in my opinion. And, and I, listen, I wouldn't have an argument if you put Charles number two. I still – I'd have a hard time jumping him over Usman because Usman's done nothing wrong to make you believe. Yeah. And listen, say what you will about Colby Covington being you know, insane or whatever else you want to say about the guy. He's a really, really good fighter, and Usman's beaten him twice. So, you know.
4: Yeah, and the pound for pound is always a tough uh, debate, yeah. tough – you know, it's kind of, it's all hypothetical. So it kind of goes all over the place anyway, but.
3: It's a discussion. It's not real. I mean, let's be honest. It's not real. It's just, it's fun to talk about.
4: Exactly. And so, yeah, I got Charles right up there, man. I can't wait to see uh, what's next for him. I'm right there with you. I think uh, uh, Islam and there you should fight. And whoever comes out of that on top is absolutely deserving of a title at that
3: point. Yeah, I agree. Speaking of the lightweight division, we also had one of the craziest knockouts in UFC history on Saturday night, and that was Michael Chandler with a front kick to Tony Ferguson absolutely shut his lights off. And uh, there's been, like, alternative angles have been making it online, which, I mean, oh, it's... atlassian brutal i mean you you've knocked out i mean i'm not gonna sit here and make you rank your knockouts matt because you got a lot of them obviously some of the most in ufc history i think a lot of people always remember the diego one you know when you clubbed him and he went face first that was such a rough knockout you've had those kind of knockouts Where would you put Chandler's though? Because that is, that was one of the most ridiculous, like that wasn't even like when Anderson front kicked Vitor or when Leoto front kicked Randy Couture, they were both brutal for sure. But the way they fell, they were still like, I'm not going to say conscious, but they were not like completely out. Ferguson was, I mean, out, (laughs) out, out. out. You know what I mean? Like, good Lord.
4: Yeah, I I guess it kind of comes down to what do you value more? How much damage it did or did it just stop the fight, right? Like, you you know, you ended the fight one way or another. So, And personally, I still go with Anderson Silva because he was the first to do it. And he just shocked the hell out of everybody. That was uh, Vitor Belfort. That was scary as hell back in that day. You know, Um, that was a... They had a past, they had a history, you know, and, and that was just... Anderson on his tear back then was just a sight to see, man. Well, I'm glad we got to live through it, and glad that I followed the sport back then, and you know, I met Anderson, and I mean, just maybe there's a little bit of sentimentalness there with that, but I still got that one number one, man. If you want to talk about uh, front kick to the jaw knockouts, (laughs) you know, the three that the only three that I know of and that I've ever seen in this sport, I've never seen it on the lower level shows either, so. I I still got Anderson's as number one, but I think the, the shocking thing too is just that, you know, like we were talking about before, man, Ferguson looked so good. He was doing well. And then Chandler found a way. He just found an opening, found a gap, found a hole, found, you know, just you, you got to give a lot of credit to him, man. You know, he, he's, he's a, a tough guy, but he just found a way. and yeah. I, And I love that
3: weirdly, and I said this before we started recording, I'll say it again now in a weird way, because a lot of people were wondering what, you know, what does Tony Ferguson have left? You know, he's lost three in a row. He lost to Gaethje, lost to Darius, lost to Oliveira, Uh, you know, lost the decision, two of them. And then, of course, he had the kind of wild, crazy fight where he eventually got finished by Gaethje. But even that he didn't get like knocked out. He got you know just overwhelmed and they just waved it off, which I had no problem with that stoppage. He was definitely, you know, he was taking a lot of damage at that point. Um, I had questions. I was like, you know what, Tony lost to three of the best guys in the world. There's no shame in that, but his last two weren't close. Yeah, he got dominated by Oliver and he got dominated by Darius. Neither one of those fights were competitive in the least. We're talking like 30, 26, you know what I mean was not. So I had my questions like, is Tony still able to go with the best guys in the world? I didn't think Tony was done. I wasn't sitting there being you know lunatic and saying the guy was done. I was saying, I don't know that Tony will ever be a top five guy again weirdly and people are going to probably think you're I'm insane weirdly I have more faith in Tony Ferguson coming out of this fight than I did out of the Darius fight because the Darius fight he was never in Darius just dominated him from from start to finish he was never in that fight never did anything to make me believe that he was gonna win that fight nothing this fight he actually won the first round Looked good doing it I mean he had Chandler hurt a couple times had him wobbled Uh, had Chandler, you know, Chandler going for takedowns. Chandler never goes for takedowns. He had Chandler going for wrestling, you know? Um, and then he got caught and that happens. You know what I mean? He got caught with a perfectly placed front kick right up the middle on the jaw would have knocked out probably anybody. And we know that Tony Ferguson has an incredible chin. We've seen that a million times over the course of his career. I weirdly have more faith about Tony Ferguson coming out of this one than I did going in, which is sounds bizarre because he got knocked out. But like he looked good early, he really did.
4: Yeah, look like he made some of the improvements too that we kind of been looking for him to make. Right, a lot of a lot of people, the uh, fans of him, they wanted to see just a lot more out of him. Um, so, yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I think that uh, the future is still bright for him, man. I think he could come back and, um, and and still be a top five guy. I don't I don't doubt it for one second. You know, that lightweight division, like we we're just talking about, there's so many studs up there. You know, it's a you got to be firing on all eight cylinders, man.
3: Yeah. What about Chandler? Talk about a guy who's paid off on an investment because everyone was talking about how would he do coming over from Bellator. Of course, I think most people consider him the greatest Bellator fighter, champion, maybe, of all time. I and mean, maybe maybe Patricio Pitbull has passed him at this point. But, uh, you know, when he left, he was kind of that guy. He was the guy who'd been there for eight years, nine years, whatever it was, multi-time champion. He was kind of face of Bellator. People were like, well, how is he going to do? Comes over and starches Dan Hooker, you know, at a time when Dan was on a good run, you know, coming off that Poirier five-round five fight, battle with Poirier, and then he knocks him out inside two minutes. Uh, Goes out there, almost beats Oliveira. He was, you know, seconds away from winning that fight, and then he ends up getting caught and finished in the second. Again, that's a credit to Charles Oliveira. Uh, Has a freaking fight of the year with Gaethje, three-round just bloody, crazy battle, and then goes out and pulls off one of the greatest knockouts in history. I mean, talk about a return on investment. I mean, come on. Like, all four fights are memorable. All four fights were fun, crazy finishes, I mean, come on. Like Michael Chandler is that dude. Like he is the guy at this point, he is now a true UFC fighter and anyone who had questions about where he fits in or how he does or any of that kind of stuff has been answered. Dude's a savage. He's going to put on fun fights every time. I don't know if he'll be champion. He came closer to beating Oliveira than I think anybody else recently, even though I think Gus, you know, Justin had two knockdowns, but I still don't feel like gauge. was closer to a finish than Chandler was in that first fight. Um, I don't know, man. Chandler is just so much fun to watch. Like, pay this guy all the bonuses and just keep matching him up with fun fights.
4: Absolutely. And he's got one of the best promos, promo guys in the sport. He's one of the best promo guys. Like, he had me very fired up after that, after the fight. And, man, watching that promo, I was like, damn, bro, like, I want to see this guy fight more now. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I'm not the guy to fall into that kind of hype when they, they talk after. Uh, the interview after man doesn't really do much for me most of the time but boy he he lit a fuse right there man
3: um do we all agree that chandler connor is the fight to make i mean i think that's i mean come oh,
4: on yeah fuck yeah <sighs> I, who wouldn't would watch that? that yeah dude yeah and just the chandler's the perfect guy for the lead up you know the with with the way they talk and stuff um yeah just both their styles match up so well boy yeah that's that's the fight to make if connor comes back i mean is he coming back you think i mean i mean, he has, he, but... I,
3: mean I think he is i i don't i don't think he would allow himself to go out with that being the last image we see of him on the ground holding his leg you know what i mean i don't yeah. think he ever lie. like i don't know that he'll i don't know that connor will ever be connor again meaning like i don't know if he'll ever be a real contender because I don't like. Listen, I'll you again. I, you know, we've talked about Connor on this podcast and our past podcast. I've always been a Connor guy, but I don't know that Connor beats Oliveira. I don't know that Connor, Connor, I, I think Makachev is the worst matchup. Uh, Dariush probably right in the same boat if Dariush fights him the way that Dariush can fight. Um, you know, Gaethje maybe Gaethje because Gaethje does like to get involved in wars, and Connor does have a you know a laser beam for a light left hand. Um, but yeah, like I don't know that Connor will ever be a champion again.
4: But come on, him and Chandler. But personally, I'd like to see uh, Connor come back and fight Ferguson. I mean, you know, Connor's coming off a loss. Ferguson's coming off a loss. If if Connor's all that, then it's a. Uh, you know if he is all that then it, it should be a very winnable fight for him um but ferguson's not an easy matchup for anyone right? like i don't care who you are or anybody in the world this is going to be a tough fight and that's another one where the lead-up would be uh, just a blast to watch man. <laughs> and you know and that's anytime you talk about connor i think that has to be in the conversation right you need the right guy that's going to Talk, like him against Darius, for instance, or against Islam, it isn't quite as interesting. You right. know, like yeah. when Conor fought Khabib, it was not as interesting. Um, you know, Conor trying to stir up the pot and the guy's just not reacting. You know, you know he's just being real about everything. And uh, so, but the the right guys with like a Chandler or a Ferguson, either one of those would be great matchups. And I love the lead-up, man. I love watching especially Connor. he He's more of the best ever to do it. So I love when the right guy is across from him, uh, you know, talking back and, uh, and making it even more interesting, getting some emotional involvement in it.
3: Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to Connor and Gage either. I know they don't like each other. Well, Gage hates Connor. I think that would be a really fun one. And, and yeah. Gage, kind of in that, in that Poirier situation now where he's fought for the title twice lost twice not to say he can't get back there again but it's a longer road you know what I mean like I'm not saying you know we've seen guys get you know I mean Uriah Faber had title shots and all you know we've seen lots of guys get title shots multiple times but you know Poirier is still one of the best guys in the world but he's you know he lost to Khabib he lost to Oliveira. it's going to take him a little while to get back there Gaethje same kind of thing like Gaethje's lost to Khabib lost Oliveira. I mean we could see Gaethje and Poirier again that was an incredible fight the first time around but Gaethje-Connor would be fun, too. Like, there's a rivalry there. They don't like each other. You know, Connor was taking shots at Gaethje after the fight. Um, that's a fun one. But just selfishly, just because I'd, I'd like Michael Chandler to, like, get a renegotiation, get pay-per-view points, you know, get a huge payday to go in there and fight Connor Because, again, you know, the, the red panty night is a real thing. If you get the red panty night, you get the pay-per-view points. I'd oh. like to see that for Chandler. Because, like, come on, four fights in the UFC – Every fight's been memorable. And you know that would be fun. You know that would be a fun fight. Like, that's kind of my thing. Like, if he's not going to get a title shot, um, you know, and and he just fought Gaethje, I know they put on a fight of the year. They could run that back. And I I don't mind Chandler and Poirier. They've talked about that as well. I'd be fine with that too. But come on, Chandler-Connor would just be fun.
4: I agree. I agree, man. But there's just a lot of matchups out there for Connor, man. I want to see him.
3: Conor against, I, I mean, Conor against anybody, you know what I mean? Like, Conor against anybody's going to be fun,
4: but again, it's, it comes down to who's going to give the best lead up to the fight, too, right? Like all these matchups, again, like Gagey's probably not going to give as good of a, a lead up, I don't think, but like Chandler Ferguson, those guys are just going to make the the whole every press conference is going to be something new, something exciting. They're going to come back with a, a better comebacks. You know, and that's not knocking on Gagey. I mean, he's a he's a warrior and, you know, he speaks his mind, you know. Um, But when you're talking about Conor, like, that's a part, that's one of the aspects of uh a Conor fight, right, is the shit talk.
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, he makes it a show. I mean, that's kind of the Conor thing. He makes yeah. it, he, he doesn't make it a fight. He makes it a fight, but he makes it a show. You know, he makes it a, <laughs> you want to be there for the press conference. You want to be there for the weigh-in. Yeah. You want to be there for, you know, all that. And that's what Conor does. Um, he makes it a show. Um, real quick before we get out of here, Matt, we you notice the one thing we haven't talked about yet was the title fight, the other title fight on the card, which was Carlos Barros becoming a two-time champion with a win over Rose Yunus. in, uh, let's just say, less than rewatchable fights. Uh, five-round decision, split decision. I actually scored it, you know, four rounds to one for Carla, but I was not confident in my scoring. I'm not going to sit here and try to break down the fight. It was an abysmal fight. No one's going to – I mean, Carla and Rose know it was an abysmal fight. Uh, anyone watching that fight knows it was an abysmal fight. Um, My question to you, Matt, is this, because you're not a guy who's been in boring fights. I mean, you've had a ton of fight of the You, yeah, That's kind of – you. we know that. Like, it's kind of like – Oliver or Poirier or Gaethje when Matt Brown fights we're going to get a Matt Brown fight. We know what's going we know what we're getting going in and that's kind of the reputation you built through your career of being that kind of guy that like always puts on a show. Um so you've not really been in this situation but um I don't know like I both fighters well, I, in I, my I opinion
4: I was kind of in that situation once that I remember. Um, well, two, twice actually. Damian May and Johnny Hendricks—they both. I mean, they took me down and held me the whole time. I walked away from the fight without, you know, maybe a couple scratches or something, and felt like I could have fought five, ten more rounds like that. So I've been in that situation.
3: But like, listen, the the blame to me goes on both fighters. I mean, you're not blameless in this. Right. But if I, but I will say. For as little has happened in that fight, I do give credit to Carlos Esparge. At least she tried a couple of times. She tried to go for the takedowns. It was clear she was going to depend on her wrestling, as she should. She's an incredible wrestler. She doesn't want to stay out there in a kickboxing fight with Rose Namajunas. And I'm not trying to, like, you know, I'm not trying to say it's all Rose's fault, because, again, there's two people in a fight. But Rose was just, like, a deer in the headlights. Like, she did nothing. Like, she barely threw strikes. She never really got aggressive. Um... I don't know if it was because she was worried about the takedown so much that she got taken out of her game, or maybe she was hoping that by standing there, you know, maybe Carla would make a mistake. But, man, I mean, again, I'm not putting all the blame on Rose because, again, Carla was in there too. She could have done more. But, man, it was just – it was hard to watch. Like, if if you're, like, sitting me down and saying – you know, I owe you money and like a mob guy's going to come over and tie me to a chair and say, you got to pay me. They're like don't make me watch that fight to like force me to give them the money because like, I don't want to go through that again.
4: Yeah. Well, Hey man, props to Carla though. She got it done and that's what you're in there for. Uh, she's got the belt now and you can't ask for her to do more than that. You know, we all love exciting fights. We all love to watch the blood and the, the gore, but ultimately this is a competition and the best person comes out well most of the time the best person comes out with the victory and um you know I I, I'm not I'm like anybody I mean I don't like watching boring fights either but I can I still respect it all the same man and I'm sure you do too you know we gotta you know we show respect to those that earn it and I don't care if you go out there and brawl to earn it or if you have to wrestle to earn it you know you earn it one way or another for me
3: let me ask this real quick though one thing i wanted to mention before we get out of here um you know you had a bit of a you know obviously you had some feelings on the way your last fight was scored with brian Barberina, um and it was a close fight you know no doubt about it and credit to Barberina doing his thing um but one bit of confusion that came out of that fight was afterwards rose saying i don't get any points for defense you know i put on a good defensive fight and i said listen you know, per the criteria, you don't get credit for defense. Defense is really? not scored in MMA. It's all offense. Is there a, like, you tell me, you're, you're, you're you've you been around and you talk to fighters, you you're around fighters, you're a fighter. I mean, is there a misconception about the scoring? Like what scores? Because I think most people know it's only offense Like you don't get scored for defense, but you tell me, was that like, is that confusing or was that just a, maybe a bad perception on Rose's part?
4: Yeah, I, I personally, I think it's kind of a bad perception on Rose's part because that we all know the offense wins fights, damage wins fights. And, and you know, and it's our job to know the system too, right? Now, I do think that they should score more for defense. And I, and I think this is another, uh, another story where open scoring would come in handy, right? And, and she should know, you know, maybe I was great defensively that round, but she should know. I didn't get it anyway. So I got to switch something up this round. So, you know, I think it's another argument for open scoring um, and, and it blows my mind that it's not already a thing. It, it, it drives me crazy that this isn't already a thing. Um, we should know what the score is. Judges should be uh, held accountable for their scores. And, it, you know, it, I think it would only further the sport. And yeah. uh, there's, there's absolutely guys that will game the system. It will happen. Right. But that Carla game, the system last week or last weekend. Right. Uh, you know, it's, you know, there's, there'll be people that try to stall in the last round. Cause they, they, they know their head on the scorecards. Like that's going to happen. That's okay though. You know, cause you're also going to get guys that are, going crazy doing anything they can to win that last round or get a finish so you know i think it goes i don't don't think it would make the problem worse than it is now in terms of exciting fights and ultimately what it comes down to this is a this sport is exciting period but it, it is an athletic competition it's a martial arts competition it doesn't have to be exciting it's not like the, the sport is inherently exciting and that's what it should thrive on not um excite, exciting um for any other reason yeah. if that makes sense kind of where i'm getting at with that
3: yeah no it does it does and i agree with you all on that i mean yeah i mean people game the system now i mean if a fighter knows he's up two rounds we've seen them you know just kind of cruise to that third round i mean it happens now yeah. you know what i mean like at least if you know you're down 100% guaranteed, you know, you got to get a finish. I mean, you, know, you got to go out there and do whatever you're doing, or especially in a five round fight when it's that close, you know, you think about, we talked about it before the last paper, you view, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. Maybe they would have approached it slightly differently, knowing going into that right. fifth round, like the Yan was down, you know, three rounds instead of just two, two, you know, maybe he would have reacted differently in that fifth round and, and really gun for the finish. Like you don't
4: know. And, and knowing whether it was a 10, eight round, like we have, we have no clue if it's going to be a 10 8 round because they score those all over the place.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's like, but yeah, like I said, I mean, listen, not every fight's going to be a classic. It's just not going to be that way. We all understand that. Was it a bad fight? Yes. Was it a terrible fight? Yes. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be clamoring to rewatch that in, one.
4: In the sense of whether it was in terms of excitement, it, it wasn't a good fight, but in terms of a good fight and a good performance by Carla, you got to give her credit where credit's due, right? I mean, she got the job done. Like, what else can you ask out of her?
3: Yeah, I think also, I think part of it, and you know this as well as I do, the perception is Rose is an extremely well-liked person in the MMA community. And I'm not saying Carla isn't. I'm saying Rose is kind of beloved. And she... You have a bit more grace when you're in that situation. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't going to attack her as much because they all kind of love Rose. You know, she's kind of like a, everyone, you know, a lot of people's favorite fighter. And again, this is not a knock on Carla. I'm just saying, like, Carla's not, you know, she's not in, she's not the, you know, she's not as popular as Rose. Let's just be honest. You know what I mean? So, Rose yeah, will get sure. a little bit more grace, whereas Carla won't. You know what I mean? And I think that's, you know, we got to be, and again, Carla did what she had to do. Was it pretty? Was it, you know, the, was it the best performance ever? Was it something she's going to go back and look and add to her highlight reel? Probably not. But does she have the title today? Yes. Did she win, yeah. in my opinion? Yes. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is.
4: So you can't ask for more, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, again, it's, it's, it's an athletic competition, but uh, the entertainment part is a, is a side Uh, uh, besides of it right like it's inherently entertaining but for us going in there to compete it is simply an athletic competition I'm just going there just trying to beat the guy like I'm at least for me I mean I've never went in with the intention of having an exciting fight I'm going in there to beat the guy period My, my fights just happen to be exciting because of my my style and usually they try to match me up with someone that you know will will kind of feed into that and um But I, I think very few fighters are are going in thinking, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, these guys used to try to clamor for fight of the night. And I always thought that was foolish, right? I'm like, why are you trying to get fight of the night? That means it was back and forth. That means you yeah. got beat up and beat him up. Like I want knockout of the night, you know? I want, That's why. I want the I- I've always, I've always
3: said telling someone they have a great chin is like a backhanded compliment because when you have a great chin, that means you're getting hit a lot. Like when you're getting hit, great. You don't get knocked out. That's awesome. Like no one wants that. But like, when I say you've had a great chin, that's almost like a backhanded compliment because that means you've been getting hit. You know, like you don't want to
4: get hit. You don't go in there with the purpose of getting punched. Yeah,
3: it means you're not doing your job that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, Matt, before I let you go, uh, it was I, I, you know it was so cool that on the matchmaking board they we just announced your next fight. Uh, it's really cool that they made that. Uh, <laughs> they, everyone's freaking out about these fights, and like half of them aren't happening. It's hilarious. Like, everyone's freaking out that they got to look at the UFC's matchmaking board. Uh, you're now fighting. Uh, you're now fighting Hamzat on the moon. Is that the rumor I hear now, Matt? You're fighting Hamzat <laughs> on the
4: moon. Is that is that what's happening? It sounds like a fun trip. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how the weight classes work there, though.
3: That's true. That's true.
4: (laughs) But yeah, they had me up against Sato on July 4th, I believe, right? Uh, No, July 2nd, yeah. July 2nd, I mean, I I just got a bunch of texts about it. I didn't even (laughs) know that that was leaked or anything. I hadn't checked my phone in like two days and then, uh, or at least uh, social media for like two days. And I got all these texts saying, hey, you're fighting, you're fighting. I was like, oh, I am? All right, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) unfortunately I I actually don't think I'll be able to make the July second. So I I don't think it's going to happen. I did talk to Sean about it. Um, they made me an offer, but, um, I'm trying to make it work, trying to get back in there as soon as possible, but I got a lot of things going on right now. Um, and it's not looking so hot, unfortunately.
3: I think we got to remember also. It's it's we're already in the middle of May. You know, we're basically in the middle of May now. That's essentially you know six weeks away from now is is July second. Yeah. Less than that, actually, it's about five weeks away. You know what I mean? That's a not to say that you know you haven't taken shorter notice fights and things like that, but we got to remember when you say July, it's not just July. It's July second, and we're now here in the middle of May. You know, that's literally five weeks away. Well, basically five weeks if you count fight week. You know what I mean? So. That's a pretty quick time from now to fight. You know what I mean?
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I used to be able to do that all the time when I was younger. But, uh, you know, I'm older now and I have a lot more responsibilities on my plate. I have a lot more things in life that take me uh, away. and um, So when I get a camp now, I have to put everything to the side and just do camp. And that takes me a couple of weeks just to get that accomplished. So unfortunately, you know, it's just not, my life just isn't uh, built around those uh, short notices anymore. Um, So that one's not going to happen at least in July. Um, But I'm hoping around September, maybe October, November at the latest, I'll be able to jump back in there. That's what I'm hoping for.
3: Yeah. You got kids, you got businesses, you got a gym to run. Like I think again, we always talk about things we don't see, that happen you know like we don't you know like it's like when fighters like when you have a kid being born you know what I mean like that's a big deal you know what I mean like that's something that takes you completely out of you know your training schedule and life you know and and rightly so but we don't really think about that when we think about the fight you know we don't think about oh you spent a week in a hospital with your you know with the baby being born we don't think about like that affects your fight camp you know what I mean or
4: yeah I forget that we're humans too yeah we have a lot of outside pressures just like anyone else
3: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm sure uh, we'll talk plenty before then. Uh, I think, uh, is it, I don't know, uh, it's not official. I'm not going to make an official announcement on here, but I think we're going to try. This is the second one in a row. I think we're going to try to do these after every pay-per-view to get you on and do some reaction to the pay-per-views because I think it's fun. Uh, obviously, we've been doing this forever. Uh, of course, we've got a big car coming up in July. Glover Teixeira, Yuri Prohoshka, Joanna Janjacek making her return. Valentina Shevchenko's back, so... I feel like June we will have you back, and uh, we'll do some reaction to UFC 275. You you down with that?
4: I love it, bro. Let's go.
3: Love it. All right. Uh, Thanks to everyone that tunes into the show each and every week. We appreciate it. Uh, We will see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus the Rider. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you then.
0: With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit.
1: bet based on amount of initial losing bet bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.co/ b ball for eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
0: first thing in the morning as soon as you wake up the to-do list starts.